Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. This is now fuck around and find out, <laughs> right? So, like, so it's like, you know, you can, like, that's what it is. Like, it is, you know, and you can take that any which way you want. You can be like, you know, you're not going to disrupt my piece because you're going to fuck around and find out, right? There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. So we talk a lot about media on this podcast, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's really important to me because I think that everyone deserves access to thoughtful, accurate media that tells them the truth. And when people are not nourished by good stories, it creates a gap that grifters and bad actors are more than happy to fill with lies and junk. 
And this is especially bad for people that are already marginalized, like women and communities of color. It's a real problem. And it's something that Danielle Moody has spent her entire life trying to combat through creating digital content that meaningfully centers the kinds of people who are traditionally left out in ways that are thoughtful, nuanced, and most importantly, honest. I am Danielle Moody. I am the host of Woke AF and co-host of Democracy-ish. Both are political podcasts. One is daily and one is weekly that I do with a co-host. I'm also a columnist for Zora Magazine, which is a property of Medium. Um, and a political commentator using the, I don't know, the internet to try and make some sense out of nonsense. Ooh, <laughs> I, no I like idea. I like how you put that. I mean, that's actually a great place to start. You know, I'm so familiar with your work just as a as a dynamic person who has interesting opinions, particularly about politics. And I guess I wonder, what has the intersection of technology and the internet and politics looked like for you? Like, I know that you're someone who, both on your podcast and on social media, really do a lot of the work of breaking down, making sense of the world uh, and the people who are, you know, making decisions around it on the internet. What, what does that look like for you? You know, it, it's really interesting because I think that I have had a, uh, a different vantage point into politics by virtue of my age and when I came into doing the work that I was doing. And, you know, it, it, it was before we used to just have, you know, three news sites, three news stations, right, that the world was paying attention to, ABC, CBS, uh, and NBC. And you had these reputable, um, or at the time we thought neutral, reputable, you know, white men that were delivering the news to us. And, you know, the advent of the Internet and creating an entire social universe, creating the, you know, the the metaverse um, allowed for us to take, you know, the power away from these institutions and actually create a more democratic understanding and makeup of who is reporting uh, on politics and what kind of analysis that they're offering. Like it democratized politics in a lot of ways um, that I think I have seen through, you know, my origination of, of my first podcast, which was like in the early 2000s to now. Um, it's it's incredible the amount of people, the amount of diverse voices and the the amount of eyewitness reporting that we that we use and we use firsthand accounts as opposed to just putting all of our um all of our belief system into these institutions that have kind of been the gatekeepers. The gates have been able to open up wider for people that look like me because and look like us because of the internet. Yeah, that's something that I've really seen a lot of. And I think, you know, you and I are probably very much aligned on this, but when you see people, typically white men, who are saying things like, oh, you know, it, you know, these days you can't say anything, cancel culture, all of that nonsense. I, I've always thought that what they're actually responding to is this new paradigm where actually marginalized people can have platforms that they build themselves. Actually, marginalized people can put their ideas and their opinions and their, their perspectives out into the world. And those perspectives will, you know, people will have to contend with those perspectives. I think that, you know, traditionally marginalized folks have always had we've always had our perspectives but because of the internet 
those perspectives are be are, are you're able to, to have a platform that that you built yourself or mm-hmm. you know or have have the conditions where like folks have to take what you're saying seriously or ha- there has to be some repercussions for what you're saying as opposed to just being ignored and so i think that when people respond to to you know oh these days you can't say anything without being canceled what they're actually responding to is like no, just more voices are part of the conversation and that's new. Yeah, I think that they're responding to, you know, something crazy called accountability, that there are actually <laughs> going to be people that are going to push, push back against the things that you're saying and that while we have become so accustomed and so ingrained with centering whiteness in the way that we see the world, that when you have diverse voices that are here, we have a totally different articulated narrative, right, than the one that has been force fed to us. And I think that in this state uh, where we are right now, you know, people, I, I've heard white men say like, oh, I'm just scared. And I'm like, you have no reason to be scared if you're not if you're not a creep. You have no reason to be scared if you're not a racist, if you're not a misogynist, you know, like you should you should not be worried. You should have wanted things like this um, to exist. And the fact that people are being held accountable for the things that come out of their mouths. Um, it is not risk free right? To, to offer up your opinions. And I think that people need to be aware of that. And just because you are cis and white uh, and straight does not mean that you are neutral. And I think that we are finally at a place where we're moving, a, a moving away from that perceived, uh, that perceived norm. Like, oh, if, because I'm a black lesbian, then that means that like, I can't be neutral. And I'm like, neutral, neutrality is false. No one is neutral, right? And so that's that's the thing that we need to understand from the jump. And then we can have real honest conversations about cancel culture and accountability. Oh, my God. This comes up on the show time and time again, time again. This idea of the the lie that we tell ourselves, particularly in journalism, but I think across media, that that, that anybody is neutral. And I think that neutrality is really just code for like a white male cis heterosexual perspective. And so anybody who falls outside of that, and I would also say like middle class, able-bodied, like that, yeah. like that is considered to be quote neutral. And anybody who happens to fall out of that perspective, the idea is that they can't write about their own experiences or their own communities because they're going to be biased. When in fact, there is no such thing as neutrality. We have just coded coded the idea along these like incredibly like racialized gendered lines and had that dictate who gets to have a voice for a very long time in our in our media. Yeah, and I think that you know it's problematic because again, what we are saying is that they're the default, right? That white cis men are the default and everyone else falls outside of the quote unquote norm. And it's like why do we have this understanding of what is normal and what is not. Why is it that when you're seeing, you know, you're listening to broadcasters and you're watching shows and they're talking about, oh, a man was shot today, but you know that by virtue of how they said that, that it was a white man, right? Because they don't say white, right? So, but if it was a black man or an Asian man or a Latino man, they would articulate that fact. And so we have to move and, and we saw this and I think saw it in a really, um, disheartening way, but we saw out loud what Black people have known for so long and people of color have known. As the war in Ukraine broke, you had journalists on a multitude of, of stations and networks saying, oh my God, you know, we've never seen something like this 
in, in, you know, in Europe. This is, this is so heartbreaking. It's not, I mean, they have Starbucks and Instagram. It's not like this is Syria or, or Afghanistan. And you're just like, so your assumption is that the people in the countries that you just named do not, are, 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 shouldn't have safety, right? That they, that they are, we should have expectations of violence in these areas. Yet Europe, who was the perpetuator of violence around the globe, colonization and chattel slavery, which originated in these places and the hundred year war and all of these things, like somehow the fleeing of blonde hair and blue eyed people should invoke more empathy than the fleeing of brown hair and brown eyed people in various parts of the world. And it just, it was that moment where it's just like, you need to be really careful about the language that you use and what you are saying, right? With saying what you said and, and with not, right? Like we're used to and have been sensitized to violence in certain areas of the world because we sell it that way, yeah. right? Um, and, and I think that that is incredibly problematic. And that's why I like, I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part of this kind of wave of, you know, podcasting and technology and how technology mixes with media to move outside of the quote unquote mainstream. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. And, and a lot of my work, uh, both on the podcast and in my nine to five, focuses around things like um, media accountability and media trust. And I think you just really nailed it, right? I think that there are so, like, it pains me when I see people who fall prey to things like conspiracy theories or disinformation or misinformation online. But the reality is people, particularly Black and brown folks, have legitimate reasons to be very skeptical of some of our media. Media that constantly otherizes us. Media that constantly, you know, shows us every day that the Ukraine example that you just gave about the the way that they were speaking about, you know, how folks in Ukraine have Starbucks and they're, quote, just like us and, and how that was different than, you know, sets up this, this, this dynamic where it's different than other countries. It's like very clear to me what they're trying to say. I think that we have not fully contended with how deeply Un, how deeply unserved so many traditionally marginalized communities are by institutions like traditional media. And that because that is true, because these institutions fail us every day, it sets folks up to be susceptible to disinformation, conspiracy theories, bad actors, people who are selling them, you know, nonsense, because it feels like that our, our only other option is also not serving us in a meaningful way, not centering us in a meaningful way. Let's take a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. 
Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And we're back. We already know that bad actors and provocateurs intentionally weaponize and spread lies online and in media to stoke and inflame tensions. But what's sometimes harder to see are the ways that traditional media outlets, the kind of places that you would expect to be better, add fuel to the fire by spreading and normalizing inaccurate and inflammatory narratives as well. For instance, you probably might have heard that according to a judge, Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News doesn't actually have to include any actual, you know, news. The judge's opinion said that the general tenor of the show should inform a viewer that Carlson is not, quote, stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in, quote, exaggeration and non-literal commentary. Danielle says that making our own media like she does can be a means of creating more authentic, 
not to mention truthful information ecosystem. I would argue that, and and I've said many times on on my own show that we have an FCC, right? We 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 have an FCC that is supposed to regulate uh, the the airwaves and supposed to regulate television and radio. Um, and yet, you have outlets like Fox News who outwardly promote lies, right? And and while we want to put up notations on on Netflix and on Amazon and on Hulu that says nudity, violence, smoking, all of these things, you know, age 13 and up, we don't put the same notifiers on news outlets that are spreading dangerous lies that have cost people their lives, right? And so it, it isn't just like looking at mainstream and saying, oh my God, they're bad, but the people that are supposed to be in charge of regulating them have decided not to. And then they hide behind the constitution and saying that, oh, it's freedom of speech. And it's just like, I'm not saying not to say what you're saying, but I'm saying that there should be a warning sign that comes with Tucker Carlson. There should be a warning sign that comes with Laura Ingram. There should be a moment before their shows go on and midway through and when they close out that says that it is dangerous, that says that this is for entertainment purposes only that it is not to be perceived as education, right? And so by virtue of how we have allowed these entities to survive, it's the reason why podcasting in all of its form, talking about a range of themes, has become so popular because you can't rely on mainstream media anymore to provide you with the information that you need. And we saw that readily apparent during during the beginning of, of COVID, right? Like you have all of these outlets saying, uh, chirping and, and parroting what uh, Donald Trump was saying, that it was a hoax. Hundreds of thousands of lives were lost because of that lie. And not once, again, was there any lawsuit against Fox News, OAN, any of these places to say that what they were saying was violent and costing people their lives and that they were a national threat. Nothing. So I, you know, I, I love the rise of kind of this um, the, this form of media because it's necessary. And I think that you're going to see more and more of it as people just move away from television altogether, right? Um, because you're getting your information, you're streaming it in so many different ways. I know that you are a, are a longtime podcaster, a longtime person who's been using the internet to build platforms that can really tell a different story. I feel the same way. You know, I, I've worked in podcasting in some capacity uh, behind the mic, in front of the mic, since like 2009, right? And so I was doing it back in the day when we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Like it was like the wild, wild west. I, I was like l- learning everything that I was doing on on my, like as I was doing it. And I think it's so interesting now to look around the space and to see a different, a, a different, a different vibe, right? Like it's, it's, I guess that, that's one of the reasons why I love podcasting and the internet as a place to build your own media platforms and tell a different kind of like media story because it does feel very inclusive. There are queer folks, black folks, brown folks, women, people with disabilities, you know, trans folks. Thanks to the internet and technology, I believe we've been able to really build these platforms that center ourselves and just allow us to be seen in different lights. And that's that's so important because we deserve, you know, thoughtful depictions of ourselves in media. We deserve media that that meaningfully centers and serves our communities. You know, I had a really interesting conversation over, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago with 
friends of mine because they were talking about how their jobs are using the metaverse, right? That they are having the, the what are they, the Oculus, the, the you know, the, the Oculus uh, eyewear and that they are, their organizations and their companies have created alternate universes within and camp and digital campuses to create community because they have gone virtual, that there are still roughly 25% of workers in the United States are still virtual and will remain that way um, because, of, because of COVID and how it has just transformed the way that we work. And I thought to myself, wow, that, that is really fascinating, also terrifying, right? Because you, I'm like, you know, the thing about, um, you know, television and the thing about like, not being so like being in social media, which you are addicted to your phone and you're swiping and the democratization of it all is that we actually don't, we actually carry the transphobia, the ableism, the racism into all of these spaces. So while we have seen an expansion of representation in terms of who is holding the mic, what we are seeing though, as technology develops and we become more immersed with having our, you know, quote unquote, in real life, but then having our avatar, having this other alternative metaverse, that what we're realizing is how those issues are just being reimagined in different spaces. And so it's like, how do we have a conversation that is about the excitement around how inclusive technology can be, but if we are not mindful about how it is being used and who is using it, that all we're doing is changing spaces, but not actually changing hearts and minds. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. And I think, you know, it doesn't matter if you're talking about the podcast space, the metaverse, Web3. If if you are not intentional and if you are not really mindful from the very beginning, it doesn't matter what revolutionary technology or revolutionary thing that you have that's going to democratize tech or democratize democratize media. You will just be rein like reinventing those same mm-hmm. isms, racism, sexism, yep. all of them in this new space, unless you are intentional from the very beginning. And that's I'm I think that it's I, I will always be like a tech optimist. I will always be excited and hopeful about the about the promises that new technology will bring. But I'm also a realist because I I do know that we can people can get so starry eyed and excited about new technology and they think you know oh we won't need to have like these considerations won't be a problem in this in this new realm in the metaverse or in Web three. But then I know that is not true because. Racism, like that train is never late. It's 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 it shows up forever. <laughs> that train is never it's always late. On time. It's <laughs> always on time. My God, it's never run off schedule. Um, but that it's totally true. And I think, you know, I had watched um uh the documentary Coded Bias uh a, 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 a while back and it blew my mind. I was just like, my God, not even can we think about relieving ourselves of racism. No, it's present in algorithms. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know? So it's like, if you're not tackling these issues, if you're not talking about them, if you're not trying to reach and break through the noise, um, which is what I try and do on a day-to-day basis with, with Woke AF, it's like, if you're not trying to reach these people, we're just transferring, right? We're not changing anything. 
And so, you know, we watched it with the whole debacle around Spotify and Joe Rogan and the fact that, oh, okay, well, Spotify decides, okay, they get called out for supporting racism by virtue of supporting him. And then they say, oh, well, we're going to give 50 black people 100 million. Like they're going to get to share the pot of $100 million that we're going to distribute that we have given one white cis man. And I said, who the hell was doing your PR and thought that that was going to be a good look? That basically you said that every podcaster of color, right, is worth one white man. Ugh. I hated that. That really, yeah. Yeah, it was just it was just disgusting. But you you know you listen you know uh, uh, when we see uh, TikTok and we see black creators on TikTok you know pushing back and saying okay so now these white creators come in they bite our videos they bite our work they slap on their name to it and then all of a sudden they got millions of followers and millions of dollars worth of endorsements. Right. And so it's like, yes, we have all of these platforms that we can readily access, but it's like who's able to monetize, who's able to break through. They're still the gatekeepers that are largely white men that get to say yay and nay. That's such a good point. And I I think it goes back to I mean, something that's like a mentor once told me is that you should always be really careful building your house on someone else's land. And I guess when I think about, you know, the platforms that I that I think of as platforms that I have, you know, built myself, and in a lot of ways I have, but, you know, the powers that be at Apple could decide that I don't belong there and kick me off tomorrow. You know, if, I, if you have, a, have lots and lots of Instagram followers or TikTok followers, it's like, it can feel like something that you have ownership over, but while our tech platforms and internet platforms are all so, you know, in the hands of, you know, powerful tech leaders who all kind of happen to be white men, you really don't own as much as you think, I guess I would say. And so I've always tried to be very mindful of that, that like as as cool as it is to, to try to build your own platforms, to tell your own stories um, yourself, it, it is a good reminder that while so much of the owning class is you know, white, straight tech leaders and tech bros and all of that, you know, what can you, what can you really own? What can you really have that's yours? You know, and that's, and that's one of the reasons, you know, why I became independent, right? Like for the longest time I was doing the tap dance and the jig for networks for, you know, to see me, see me, see me and like, show my worth by virtue of how many hits on television that I could get, right? How many people were calling into my show when it was still on Sirius XM, right? And so one of the reasons why it was important as a Black queer woman to go to a podcast company that is run by Black people, right, Um, was because, one, I did not want to have my voice... um, uh, shrunken, right? I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to have to shrink myself to fit into other people's ideas of me. But then realizing that even in being independent, I still need the Apples and the Spotify's and you know the, the Stitchers and all of those places to put my independent work on. Right. So it, it it goes back to what your mentor said about building your house on other people's land because it's like, yes, I built this house, right? But I still have to put it someplace. 
And I don't get like, by you know, unfortunately, don't own the 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 apples and the and the spotify's and those places so you're still going to be beholden to those people who get to determine your worth and your value more after a quick break hey ladies it's bridget todd here may is high blood pressure education month it is crucial for us especially as black women to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay, they can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence, Conair Girl Bomb is all about helping you elevate your self care game. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self care is important to keeping you feeling confident and empowered. It's time to take your hair removal routine to the next level. You can trust Conair Girl Bomb to get the job done right. Conair Girl Bomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the Sassy Girl Bomb Grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. So, to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Girl Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
why did the internet choose them, and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get right back into it. I really identify with what you just said about going independent. And there was a time in my life where, this was several years ago, where I thought the path for me, the path to be where I wanted to be in my career and in my life was sort of, quote, being seen by a big traditional media outlet. And I I worked for a big news network whose name you definitely have heard of, but I'm not going to say here. And so much of you that know that I remember you from there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, people know it. I'm not. I'm not. It's like it's like no big secret. I know, where, I know where you were. It's no big secret. Like people can people you know, and and, and no shade to them. Like like I have no right. shade to them at all. But like I, I thought I had really bought into this idea that the path forward was somebody at that network like liking me or seeing me, and so I was sort of always yep. auditioning, even for a job I I already had. And mm-hmm. when I look when, when I look back at all of the work I had to do to sort of not just let go of that job and let go of that mindset, but do a lot of like internal work of saying, you know, I know that I have value. I know that I have something to say. I know that I have a perspective. It doesn't matter how many views, how many clicks my content or my piece makes for somebody else. My worth is not tied to that. And really, you know, you described it as like doing the dance that was all I was doing in that part of my yep. life. And it didn't get me anywhere. And I look back and I think all of these things that would have been, that would have been for me, like the height of success, I don't even need them anymore, let alone like want them. I don't even need them anymore. The height of success to me is, is having a platform to say what I want to say and feeling good about it and, and not having to have the pressure of like, oh, I hope they like it. I hope it goes viral. I hope this, I hope that, you know, how exhausting that was and how much oh my of myself God. I spent on that on that dance. I, I guess I really identify with what you just said. Bridget, I was like, you know, it. I felt like I was on a hamster wheel for like 10 years, right? Just, you know, my entree into media was around uh, same-sex marriage, was in, you know, the tw- you know, the 2010s, right? And you know, doing everything for those outlets, just trying to get on television, chasing the producers, chasing these things, making sure that, you know, my social media was, you know, just right, because I didn't want to be too offensive and too this and too that and too much, right? And then finally realizing that, what the hell am I doing? I have contorted myself into a watered down version of myself so that I would make myself digestible to the white C-suite. And I, and I just decided, I don't want this, right? What I want is to share my thoughts and my message unfiltered, right? And if you don't like that unfilteredness, if you need your politics with more sugar, then I am not the one, 
right? Because I'm going to give it to you straight. So it, it was, you know, the recognition for me. And again, this came really through the pandemic of looking around and realizing that everything was shifting, everything that you thought was, was no longer. And saying that this was an opportunity for those of us in a privileged space, this was an opportunity to reinvent and to say, you know what? I'm dropping all of the precursors. I'm dropping all of the caveats. I'm actually just going to say what the fuck I want to say and how I want to say it. And if you want me on air, book me. If you don't, I ain't chasing you and I'm good, right? Because I'm going to say what I want to say, how I want to say it and miss me, you know, with everybody else's interpretation of how it should be. Oh, I'm so, I love how you put that. And I think I had the same thing. And for me, it went back to this idea of stopping this dance of trying to be everything for everybody and just realizing that like, what I have to say is not going to hit with everybody and that's okay. And that actually is helpful because it allows me to spend time really leaning into my people and my, and like who, who I am for. And so rather than spending all that energy trying to be, you know, exactly the right curated version of myself, I'm just going to be who I actually am and the people yeah. who are with that, that will resonate with them and the people who are not with that, who cares? Like, like yeah. I'm not for them. I'm not for everybody. I, I am who I'm for. And that's who I should be concerned about people who I'm not for. It's not really my business what they think about me. You know, one of the things that I still do a bit of, and this is only for you know, organizations who align with my with my value set and my missions is that I, I do media trainings and executive coaching for underrepresented CEOs and executive directors. And I remember that when I started doing media trainings many years ago, you know, it was always about trying to present people's best version of themselves, right? But it was also about making them palpable, watering them down. What about thinking about what, what will margin middle America think? right? Like, what will this person think? Now, when I do media trainings, I say, tell the truth. What is, what is, what is the truth that you want to be offering up to, you know, to the, to the people? Do you understand your audience? Do you know where they are, right? And then we can craft whatever message that you want. But at the end of the day, this is about telling the truth. This is not about watering things down. We are past the watered down version um, of, of, of America and what we need to be seeing and doing. People need to be activated. And I think that, you know, one of the purposes of mainstream media is pacification, because if they actually wanted people to be, you know, riled up to be knowledgeable, then we wouldn't see the kind of news that we see. Right. Like there it wouldn't just be, you know, the three stories that all of the networks are going to cover for a week and that's going to be it. Right. There would be more substance that is there. And so, you know, we also have to recognize that we're not going to be able to get our education through the people who are trying to actually remain in power and continue to oppress people. What was it, it, it Audrey Lord that says the master's tools are not going to dismantle the master's house. Then that is like, to me, how I look at mainstream media versus, you know, podcasting and the new age of technology and media is that we are using different tools to still try and dismantle this house, but then recognizing that the house that we have built is still on somebody else's land. And mm. so what is the next step? What does the next iteration of that look like? Well, I guess I have to send that question back to you. I mean, for you, what, <laughs> what does that look like? What does the next step look like in your mind? You know, I just, I realized for, for me just recently, I went on TikTok, right? I, was I saw totally that you just joined. Yeah, I literally just joined TikTok like a month ago. 
And I was totally against it because I'm like, I ain't going on this children's site, right? Like <laughs> in my head, that's why I was like, I'm not going on this children's site. And then I started to realize that, you know, it used to be that to be considered credible, you needed to write, right? Then people, then we, we realized people don't actually like to read. Then it was, oh, well, then get, go on television. And then you realize like, oh, well, people's attention pl- attention span has actually shrunk. Now I need to figure out a way that I'm shrinking down my 40-minute show that I do daily into just one minute, just 60 seconds of content because that's how people are getting their information. So I couldn't just poo-poo like this, this medium that felt uncomfortable to me because I wasn't the age target demographic for it, but then recognize that like, we as content creators need to be adapting to where people are getting their content and how they are consuming that content. So for me, the next iteration is just meeting people where they are and making sure that I am as nimble as possible and that there is no no, right? Like, no, I don't want to do this. No, it doesn't feel right. If it doesn't feel right, great. But I don't want to close myself out of different ways to communicate with people because that is always going to evolve. And for a content creator and somebody that wants to wake people up, needing to evolve with where people are. Mm, That's such a smart way to think about it. Like, that's why that's why I started out as a podcaster, because it was like an emerging this is, you know, back in the day, it was like an emerging new medium. And I was just like, I'm so excited to see what people do with this. And people were doing like weird off the wall stuff with it. And so I think like being willing to be nimble and saying yes to new places where it feels right for your voice to be, where it feels like like there's alignment, I think is really is really key. Yeah, um, because I'm not trying to fit where I don't, but you know, I'm not trying to make. And I think that that too, just going back really quickly to um, to mainstream media, that was the thing is that I was trying to fit myself into a space that did not want me, and actually was very clear about the fact that they did not want me, right? But I kept trying to fit in, fit in. And I think that, you know, by virtue of just having been in this podcasting space, been in this new media space for, you know, a decade now, um, it is it's really interesting to decide to to follow your own beat, right, to create your own like to figure out what works for you and then just keep pushing it out. Right. And, you know, and people will bite. Like they do, you know, people, people will buy, but you have to be really steadfast in what it is that you're creating and delivering um, and then figure out where to put it. Yeah. And it's like, I've definitely gotten to a place uh, again over years of internal work and sort of like figuring out what my perspective, I don't want to be in any rooms where it's clear that I am not welcomed. I don't want to be anywhere where Mm -mm. my presence is not a gift, a value, you know, Come People on. don't have, yeah, mm-hmm. I, like I just have no interest. I maybe it comes with getting older, but yeah. <laughs> not but it's the truth. But it's the truth. It's just like, you know, and I think it's because the generations that came before us fought, fought so hard to get into those rooms, right? They fought so hard to get a seat at the table. And I think that the generations that are coming now are just like, yeah, fuck that room. I don't need it. Like I'll create, literally, I will create my own space. Like I'm good. You know, you continue to do you over there and I'm going to create something over here. And, you know, that that is what gives me hope about about new media, about these the the ways in which we're all adapting to these different spaces 
is that it's an opportunity for us to show up as our most authentic selves, right? It's the opportunity to say like, no, I'm not going to do, you know, I remember when I locked my hair, right? This is, you know, 20 years ago, I locked my hair and people were just like, and you're going to work in politics. I don't think that that's a good idea, right? Because unless I was going to present some Eurocentric form version of myself, some permed pressed form version of myself, then apparently what was going to come out of my mouth didn't matter, Mm. right? So I I think that we are still in a place, I mean, we just passed the Crown Act. (laughs) Like we're still in a place where like, we're still having to justify how we look, how we sound. But I think that it's a better place to be in when we're the ones that are owning and creating the spaces and deciding where and when and how we want to be involved, right? And like how and where and when we want to show up. It's a different form of power. Mm, I love that. And think about this, like, I never thought I'd see the day where we have Judge Jackson about to make history as first Black woman on the Supreme Court with braids. I never thought I'd see the day. And here we are. And so I think it goes to show you that, you know, We've come to a different place where I think that we have, we're setting the standard for how we want to show up. And I think that standard is being dictated by us and, and, and not, not external forces. And I, I love that for us. I hope that we all, I hope that, that this is like a new, a, a new normal where we just accept that we are going to show up as ourselves, our most authentic selves, and folks can accept that or not accept that. I, you know, one of the funniest things that came out, of the funniest memes that I saw that came out of the Oscars, you know, debacle was, this is now fuck around and find out, <laughs> right? So, like, so it's like, you know, you can, like, that's what it is. Like, it is, you know, and you can take that any which way you want. You can be like, you know, you're not going to disrupt my piece because you're going to fuck around and find out, right? Like, I'm going to continue telling the truth or you're going to fuck around and find out. Like, I think that whatever that means for you, but it is, it's saying like, yeah, I'm not trying to fit myself into your standards, right? I'm going to make my own. Um, And the more like that you try and uh, place people into boxes, the more that you're going to see people want to burst out of them. Mm. And I think that if we can embrace, you know, this new season of life and expectations that we have for ourselves, right, and the brands that we are building and creating, then, you know, we, it will be a, a, a new, it will be um, a new dawn, right? And I think that every day is the beginning of a new dawn, Every season offers us an opportunity to try to be better, do things that are bolder, right? And I think that that's what podcasting allows us to really do is to be bold, to be big, um, and to exist outside of the box. Mm, I love that. Danielle, I have one last question for you, a little bit of a curveball question. So (laughs) one of your podcasts is called Woke AF. Yeah. What do you, and it's fantastic, people should definitely listen to it, as well as Democracy-ish. Yes. But what is it like, you know, this idea of being woke, you know, definitely started in Black vernacular, like that was our term. And now I feel that it's almost become a dog whistle, right? Like, you know, speaking of Judge Jackson, I remember before, even before she was named as a Supreme Court nominee and Biden was just like, oh, I'm planning on picking a Black woman. Uh, One of the arguments I heard about this hypothetical Black woman who wasn't even named yet was that she was going to be the woke choice for the Supreme Court. How did we get to this place where the term woke is now almost like a just a, like a coded dog whistle for 
black. And what do you what do you make of that as someone who, you know, has a show that that is, you know, the word that you use to describe your your own, um, you know, your your own uh, politics and ideology? I mean, for me, being woke is about being uh, conscious and aware of the world around you. Right. Living a con- like, what does it mean to live consciously? Right. Not as ostriches that are burying our heads in the sand uh, and, and waiting for the tide to turn. Right. And I think that, you know, what the what progressives and, and folks on the left have allowed once again is for the right to co-opt language. Uh, and and turn it into turn something that is very positive, which is about you know what what is what is the opposite of being woke, and that's the thing that I I say to folks like why is there no pushback when they're like oh they're going to be the woke cat so what is your preference for somebody to be asleep what is your what is your preference for us to be unconscious right and because what does that allow you to do if the rest of us are in slumber right it allows for you to run roughshod and have no accountability and no responsibility for the things that you do because ain't nobody paying attention. So, like, I, I think that, you know, you we have to reclaim um, words that we allow the radical right to take over. And then what but what people do, like what, you know, white moderates want to do uh, and, and Democrats want to do is that they want to run from it. Oh, we're not woke. You know, we're just like everybody else. No, I'm not. No, I am not. And that is OK. Right. Like, I don't want to go through my life asleep and neither should you, because I don't know what good comes to anybody. Um, when they don't live their lives consciously and on their own terms. So I, I think that there needs to be consistent pushback to that, to um, the negative connotation that folks have allowed um, uh, white supremacists on, on the right to, to attribute to a word that was birthed out of Black people deciding, right, and recognizing that, like, you know, we live consciously, so what about the rest of you? Because while the rest of you get to walk around and pretend that like ain't nothing going on. We're the ones that have to look around and make sure that like we're as safe as we can possibly be. If black people were to walk around their lives in a slumber, we would all be dead. Right. Like so let let us you know, I, I think that it's important to push back against against those uh, against those negative uh, connotations. And you do it every week and every day with both of your shows. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your work and grateful for your voice. Danielle, where can folks keep up with all of the amazing stuff that you've got going on? Thank you. Um, yes, uh, folks can keep up with me. Woke AF is Monday through Friday. You can get that on anywhere that you get your podcast, whether it is on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. If you want the video version uh, of that daily show, you can get that at patreon.com slash wokeaf, um, where the video show is up every single day. Uh, and then you can follow me uh, on Twitter, where I am extraordinarily active at D2Cents, D-E-E-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S, and newly to TikTok, uh, Danielle Moody underscore. So you can check me out there, too, where I am getting very, very lit. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unboss Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.